Good morning. Hey, I have to tell you a story about that song from this week. Uh, I was on the phone a lot lately. And this week I was on the phone and somebody called in and said, Hey, Chris, how are you? And I said, I am wiping the tears from my eyes. And he said, why are you wiping the tears from your eyes? And I told him how I had just been listening to that song that we just sang and that the kids helped us out with. And I hadn't listened to that song for about a year. And I was wiping the tears from my eyes. I told him that that song, it, it just choked me up. Those lyrics, you know, I was thinking about those. I was thinking about praises rising, hearts are turning to you. Oh, hope is stirring. Hearts are yearning for you. And then the one that really choked me up is that one that says, because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Because before that phone call, I was on all kinds of phone calls and Zoom calls and all kinds of calls. And we were talking about people and we were talking with people who really needed strength to face today. And I'm sure you know them too. In the next couple weeks, if you don't know buddy, somebody who's sick right now, you, you very likely will. And we've been talking to people who live alone and they were already lonely and now they feel so isolated. They feel so far apart. And we've been working with students, and many of us are. We're students, we're teachers, we're parents, and we're trying to navigate this whole new reality, this everything that has to do with school. We've been working with couples, and they have been planning their weddings for months, some of them a year. And now we're trying to figure out what happens that we can't have a, now that we can't have a ceremony. Seniors in high school and college, they've been looking forward to graduation for a lot longer than a year. And they're navigating all of this. People have been living paycheck to paycheck and now there's no more paychecks. And they don't know when the next one's going to come. We have leaders of organizations, a whole bunch of them in our church, and we're trying to figure out how do we navigate this in a way where we don't have to lay people off or lay more people off. Some of us, you know, we've been putting in 10-hour days before this. And now I know so many people putting in 12-hour days, 14-hour days, 16-hour days there are a whole lot of people who really need strength to face today. There's a whole lot of people that are asking some version of this question. This question that we put up here on the, the screens, this question, will or is everything, is everything going to be okay? The guy who we quoted there, Seth Godin, he's an influential author, he's an influential speaker. He's got a really good grasp on business and marketing and culture. And how did he answer that question? He answered the question, it depends. And here's what I'd add to that, to what he said, the it depends. It depends on where you're placing your hope. Is everything going to be okay? It depends. It depends on where you're placing your hope. Over the last couple of weeks, you may have been seeing the ice come off the lakes. And, and you can have just a little tiny bit of hope. And if that ice is thick enough... It can hold you. It can hold your family. It can hold our entire church. If that ice is thin, it doesn't matter how much hope you have. You're going to come crashing through it. It depends. It depends on where you put your hope. Where you place your faith matters. Just ask anyone who invested in Zoom or Lysol six months ago. One of the reasons why that song choked me up the way it did is because there is a place where we can place our faith and have real hope. Real hope. You can have real hope if you place your faith in the right place. Or should I say the right person? When our kids sang, Hosanna, you 
are the God who saves us. You are worthy of all our praises. Those weren't thin ice words. Those were thick ice words. Well, if you donated or downloaded your notes page, there's a place to write this down. Our hope is anchored to historical events. What we are commemorating today, what we're going to commemorate on Good Friday, what we're going to commemorate on Easter Sunday, they are real events that are anchored in history. And they have brought thick ice hope to millions of people for hundreds of years. We're placing our hope in a God who stepped into our world just as he said he would, and he taught us a way. He taught us a way that will lead us home. Well, I brought a couple things with me this morning, and one of them is there in the background, that picture. I hope you noticed it when we did our basement broadcast. And we didn't just put it in the, in the background to have something in the background in our basement broadcast. It was, it was just there. And as I was watching the playback with, with my family, I was watching that, that word hope, that word hope just came through to me. That big word hope, maybe you can see it there in white, that word hope. Hope is a lot like that word in that picture. It's there. It's there. It's there in the background. Real hope. And what I hope to do today, what I hope we can do today in the midst of all this, is to fix our eyes on some real hope that we have this morning. So if you have your Bible with you, let's open up to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. This morning I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation. This is Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11. That it, what this is is the account that, that those kids did such a great job of enacting uh, for us on, 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 uh, there a little bit earlier. And again, kids, great job. Great job today. All right, well, here we go. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal, the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they put, them, put on them their cloaks and they sat on them and he sat on them. Most of the crowd sped spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowd that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee. You know, it's interesting, Mark, Matthew, he says the whole city, the whole city was stirred up when Jesus came riding in. And in that week that followed, Jesus continued to say and to do all kinds of remarkable things. Here's just a partial list. He drove the people who were buying and selling things. He drove them out of the temple. He cursed a fig tree and it withered up. He summed up all of the law and the prophets into just Two commandments. He called out and confronted religious leaders. He told parables that people are still talking about today. And he prophesied about the destruction of the temple. And he gave us signs that would signal the end of the age and the coming of the Son of Man. 
Well, Im embedded in the midst of all of that, you can find a teaching that I normally pass over. I don't spend much time on this teaching that we're going to look at today, but as I was praying in light of all the more recent developments, saying, God, what would you have us to say? This is the verse that I just felt drawn to. Again, it's a passage I don't know if I've ever really taught on this one before. It's from Matthew 23, verse 37. It comes not long after that, that triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and it says this. These are the words of Jesus. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Here, here's the passage. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Why have I not spent a lot of time on that passage before? One, because I don't easily identify as a chick. And two, I feel a little uncomfortable comparing Jesus to a chicken. I'm just being honest. But who gave us this analogy? The one through whom all things were made. So for me not to press into that, that just doesn't seem right. So let's press in. I said I brought a couple things here with me this morning. Here's the other thing that I brought. Kids, if you're not tuning in, you might want to look at this. Here's what I brought with me. Some little chicks. And what Jesus is basically saying is, that's me and that's you. That's what he's saying. That's me and that's you. Well, you know what? Let me set these here for just a little bit. I grew up on a small farm, so I had a chance to see this analogy that Jesus gives in action. I got a chance to, to see it. Every spring, there would be these little chicks all running around our, our little farm. Well, when the chicks came out of the shadow of the mother's wings, they would often get lost and in trouble really, really quick. If they were under the shadow of mom's wings, they were safe. They were safe. In the shadow of her wings, they could be protected from a storm. In the shadow of her wings, if little farm Chris wanted to catch one of those little chicks, if it was close to mom, it was not today, farm boy. That's what it was. So when they were with their mom, when they were in the shadow of those wings, they were safe. I just finished a book that picked up on that whole shadow imagery. And the author talked about having a walk with Jesus. Listen to this. Where we are as aligned with Christ as his shadow was. I thought that was pretty good. Boy, there is good news for all of us who are facing this storm together. Here it is, and there's a place to write this in your notes too. Jesus is willing. Are you? Jesus is willing. Are you? We don't know how long this storm is going to go on. We don't know the scope of the threats that we're going to face. Here's what we do know. We do know what Jesus said near the end of his life. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Before we were called Christians, as we said throughout this Lenten series, people referred to followers of Jesus as followers of the way. This Lent, we've been exploring what does the way look like. The graphic that we've been using for this series is this one, and I absolutely love it. I love this image. It's a series of doors. The way of Jesus is like that. Well, here's the first door that we invited you to step through this Lent. And there's a place to write this in your notes. Are you willing to follow Jesus? That was our first door. 
Jesus has this way of, of taking a door like that and not just allowing us to think that we're doing it, but to actually have something happen in our life where we see whether or not we're doing that. He has a way of separating those who merely identify as followers of Jesus with authentic followers. And when he does that, it's not so that he'll discover something about us. It's so that we will discover something about ourselves. Well, that was week one. In week two of this series, we looked at an example of where Jesus brought someone to the point of decision. He brought them to a door. A rich young ruler came up to Jesus and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit life in the age to come? Well, Jesus listed a bunch of commandments, and the rich young ruler said, Hey, I've kept all of those. And that text in Mark's version said something really interesting. It said that Jesus looked at him, he loved him, and then he said to him, you lack one thing. Take all of your possessions, sell them all, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And that brings us to door number two. Are you willing to follow Jesus through the no other gods before me door? Or the no other gods door? The God of the Bible is clear. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. And that rich young ruler went away sad because he had great wealth. And it seemed that what doing what Jesus asked him to do, that that was too much to ask. Well, if he was sad then, how do he feel right now when a tiny little virus and all his little virus buddies exposed the idol of wealth for what it really is? The timing of that message was really, really interesting. We gave that message, we called it Deified Desires. We gave that message on Sunday, March 8th. Do you remember what happened that week, especially right around Wednesday? That was the week that most of America woke up to the fact that this COVID-19 thing, this is going to be a really big deal. And beginning with the NBA, one idol after another was exposed for what it really is. The rich young ruler went away sad. But here's the real tragedy. This is from Habakkuk uh, 2, verse 9. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, or to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. How sad it is for the one who discovers only too late that the thing that you devoted yourself to wasn't all that into you. There's a God. He does see. He does hear. He can respond. And that God laid down his life for you. For you. He was willing to, he, he is willing. He's willing to take you under the shadow of his wings. Are you willing? The timing only got more interesting seven days later when we realized that we would not be able to meet in person for a while. The passage we had planned to teach on that week came from Matthew 23. In that passage, Jesus calls out religious people for their hypocrisy. And I came really close to saying that has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now until we found ourselves on the threshold of door number three. And that is this, are you willing? Are you willing to follow Jesus through the practice what you preach door? None of us, none of us would say, we said this on that, on that Sunday, none of us would say the church is the building. Nobody says that. 
But what happens when our buildings close? I once heard a pastor say, you can't correct what you won't confront. And boy, there's an interesting link between that week's lesson and today's text. On that first Palm Sunday, what was happening, right? People are, are lining the path, lining the road. They are cheering on. They are throwing down cloaks and palm branches. They're joining the big parade. And where were they the following Sunday? You know, I wonder if you've seen some of those jokes that really kind of hurt a little bit out there floating around about how churches are, as they're doing church in home, they're going to send home the fog machines and they're going to send home the lights so we can have authentic worship together. I found myself um, not long after that week playing an old song that I used to listen to. It talks about when the music fades and all is stripped away. You know, can we simply still come? Will we still gather with God's people? Well, that was the way of Jesus, gathering with God's people. From the age of 12, he told his parents, expect to find me in my father's house. And throughout his life, we can find he was all about building this community of brothers and sisters. And they met together every seven days, but they met also together throughout the week. Jesus invites us, he invites us to more than this, this big show. He invites us to be a part of an authentic community of faith where we can gather together and we pray and we open the scriptures. We gather together to learn and to grow and to honor God. We gather to challenge one another, to support one another, to, to share needs, to share resources, to share joys, share sorrows. He invites us to follow him through that much better door. Are you willing well, two weeks ago, Caitlin extended this invitation. She said, are you willing to follow Jesus through the seek first door? A number of you commented on how helpful this teaching was because as, Jesus, as, I, as Caitlin worked her way through Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus lists a whole lot of things that people were anxious about then and everything on that list are, are things that we're still anxious about today. And Jesus said this, he said, your father knows what you need. He knows you need these things. If you seek me first, all these things will be added unto you as well. Even when sorrows like sea billows roll, it can be well with your soul. Are you willing? All right, let's talk about one last door. Then we're going to summarize our time together and seal it with a song. Last week, Pastor Jason challenged us to step through what I'm going to call the people of the book door. The people of the book door. Are you willing to follow Jesus through the people of the book door? For Jesus, there were certain documents that carried more weight than others. He referred to them as scripture. Jesus quoted scripture. Jesus was obedient to scripture. Jesus fulfilled scripture. Jesus was the word made flesh. As followers of the way, we are invited to approach Scripture like Jesus did. These are God-breathed words of life and salvation and hope. Are you willing to build your life around them? Jesus' follower isn't so much an identity that we choose as it is a way and a truth and a life that you and I are invited into. Are you willing to follow Jesus, not just through those doors, but through every door that he puts before you? And as you hear language like that, every door that he puts before me, you might be thinking, what kind of loving God would ask me to do something like that? His commands aren't as burdensome as we think we are. 
a couple weeks ago, let me give you an example, a couple weeks ago, there were a whole lot of kids in New York saying, what kind of loving parent won't let me go hang out with my friends every day? The longer that we follow Jesus, the more we realize that he has the way that brings the life that we long for most. He's come that we may have life, he said, and have it to the full. Well, these are crazy times. Crazy times. This week I was on a call with this regional church leader. It was a serious, high-stakes conversation. And I'm on the phone with this regional leader, high-stakes conversation. And as this is happening, we're a really kind of intense spot in our conversation. I look, and there's our little dog, Buster, and he's lifting his little Buster leg on our brand-new little white rug to relieve himself. (laughs) And I'm like, this is so surreal right now. You know, for some of us, it is. It's like this surreal, crazy dream at times. And then at other times, it's more like a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. For those who are facing storms and threats that are bigger than some of you have ever faced before. Are you willing? Are you willing to step through that door that he has before you today? All right, if you've drifted off, if you drifted off, come back because we're almost done, almost done. I've got to share this, though. Matthew, I've been building off of what Matthew, how he recorded that account. When Luke recorded that account, it was really interesting. He placed it in a little different place. And where he placed it, not long after that, he has Jesus telling this this parable of this great banquet. He compares the kingdom of God to this great banquet. And here's the thing about this great banquet. Everyone's invited. But not everybody comes. A whole lot of folks made a whole lot of excuses. And what Jesus says, Jesus says in that parable, he said there comes a point where the doors close. When the doors close, especially when you had an invitation, you don't want to be on the outside looking in. There's one last set of blanks in your notes. Here they are. God's love is unconditional. The terms of our surrender are two. Can I get an amen from someone who knows what I'm talking about? To the fishermen and tax collectors, Jesus said, follow me, and they left their nets. To the rich young ruler, Jesus said, you you lack one thing. To, To those who were gathered on a hillside, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. To those who gathered in an upper room, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Are you willing to follow through the door that Jesus has before you today? On that farm, When the little chick realized that it was lost, you know what it did? It started going peep, 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 peep. And what did the mother head do when she heard it? She responded. Her love was unconditional. When she heard that cry from her own, She would brave any storm. She would charge any fox. She would willingly lay down her life for her own. You know, maybe that analogy is a pretty good one after all.
We have a Savior who is not just willing, but who did lay down his life for us, for you. Will you trust him today? And if the answer is yes, would you do something for me? Because this is killing me right now. This is killing me right now to look into a camera. Because I'm so used to looking into your eyes and to seeing you nod, yes. Or to see you raise a hand, yes. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. Like you, my inbox is, it is growing exponentially. But there's an email that I would love to see. If you're willing today to say, I'm in, God, I'm in. I'm coming to you. Would you just send me an email, chris at emmanuel.church, and just write, I'm willing. Would you do that? Just take a moment to do that. And while you're doing that, our worship band's going to come back and they're going to sing one more song. And as you're filling that out, soak in these words because they are absolutely beautiful. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for all of us. Father, I apologize because there's all these times where I feel like I have to defend you in a way that I don't have to defend you. You gave us a powerful analogy with this hen and these chicks. And Father, you did that. You laid down your life for us. And you're inviting us. You are willing to accept us no matter what we've done, no matter where we've gone, no matter how lost we've been, how far we've wandered. Today, you're inviting us to come back to you and to learn from you and to be guided by you through this. So, Father, I pray for my friends. I pray for those who maybe have tuned in that we've never met before. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be working in our lives, that we would be willing to trust you today and tomorrow and every day until you bring us home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.